Welcome everybody to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today, my guest is David Thomas. He is the founder of BudSense. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks for having me. Okay, so David, right off the hop, what are three things that every entrepreneur needs to know? It's going to be really hard, harder than you ever thought, and you're going to have <laughs> moments where you think you cracked it, and it's still going to be really hard. Um, failure is okay. Yeah. Try and make those failures as small as possible, but even if they're big, it's okay. Um, and then be comfortable with change because you're going to need to change. And again, they don't have to be big change. They can be small changes, but they're, they're going to happen all the time. And yeah. It, and it starts off as feeling kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, and that's an interesting one. The, the last one uh, that you mentioned, because one of the things that I see common across all the entrepreneurs that I interview, they all have a comfort level with change that is abnormally high compared to the rest of the population. And I don't know if you can relate to this or not, uh, but with my team, I often forget that because I'm the type of person that loves to build and break things apart and rebuild them. And change is not something that I fear at all. It's actually something that I embrace and, and almost almost have an addiction to, to be, to be frank. And so I don't know if you can relate to that, but I definitely have team members that are a little less comfortable with it. And I oftentimes, um, I think get them in positions where there's this, this comfort, which can create, um, some challenges, I think. Absolutely. Uh, you can really set up people for failure. If you, if you change too much, uh, it's interesting though, growth, for me in that element was, I thought it was a lot easier to, to manage that style of thinking, like abstract strategy yeah. in more traditional businesses. Like when I was working in brick and mortar um, cannabis retail, but then when we started moving to software as a service and scaling products and you're dealing with an abstract um, product and an abstract way of building a business, I thought it, I, I think it's even harder to make sure that your employees have stability mm. um, when you're in your when you're in your zone of wanting that wanting that flux right and just making sure that there's still some stability around around the organization. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's that lack of stability that then creates the angst, right? And we definitely don't want our employees feeling a whole pile of angst. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about BudSense. What is the business about and what problem is it that you're trying to solve? So the, the business of BudSense has an interesting origin because the, the origin came from a, a, a problem, but it was a problem that we were directly working with. Okay. Um, so my brother and I started a cannabis dispensary business in Saskatchewan, Canada, legalization. Um, we were running four stores. And um, we were we dove in headfirst. Uh, we were innovating all over the place, and one of the places we were innovating was with our menu system. Uh, with with cannabis, there's a there's a there's a variable product element that creates significant challenges in merchandising. So we were building some tooling around that to to, to build out systems. Um, the BudSense starts to come in when we ended up exiting that company. And then we started a couple other cannabis uh, companies, different brands, and that that technology kind of was pulled with us. And we started to realize, oh, this might be more than an internal tool. Hmm. And then we, and then as we kind of progressed on our cannabis journey, 
just working away at this problem set, the capabilities of this tool kept growing and growing and growing. And then eventually it, it naturally became my full-time effort where the lessons that I was learning from being a cannabis retailer were now better served as a full-time job into building this product called BudSense that has turned into a, a cannabis merchandising tool to help operations succeed. Yeah, really cool. And so specifically, this is a menu uh, control system, essentially, right? Um, that also you can apply into the e-commerce or online environment, but then also paper versions from what I could. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's like in-store, in-store merchandising. And it's, it's, it's weird when you think about it, because it's like, it's a price tag. What's, what's the big deal? You know, like what, like, why is, why are you building a whole company around just some paper menus or some digital menus? And it really is the complexity of the product and how um, product information can change. Your inventory is like changing, like probably 5% week to week, which is very strange for packaged goods. So I actually like one of our products is a product card which is literally a, a price tag with some information on it that gets printed and automated every day to the, to the retailer. But yeah, that's pretty much it is the, the starting point for our product is putting a price on something. And yeah. then from there, it just, then you can manipulate the purchasing decision, kind of emphasize certain products, change, change a little knob. So you can do some AB comparison of what's working with what, what isn't in the store. Um, and 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 that's all tied into the POS system as well, yeah, correct? Exactly, exactly. So it's a full solution then that you're providing. Yes. And when you say that the uh, product uh, or the inventory changes by five percent um, regularly on a daily basis or or in a certain set time period, what do you mean by that exactly? What I mean by that is like typically packaged goods. You're looking at um, like quarterly changes, mostly for inventory but with okay. cannabis, you're ordering every week and you're getting shipments every week and the availability of product is changing in, in that. So if you have a successful product and you're like, yeah, I want to buy Bud Light again, or I want to buy Coors Light again. Well, sorry, we don't have it. Or yeah. yes, we have it, but it's changed. Maybe the THC is different, or maybe we're calling it something different, hmm. but there's so much variability in, in the supply chain and variability in the product itself since it is a plant that, that you have all of these menu complications that get pushed onto the frontline workers who they're running they're not sitting on their laptops they're running around solving problems usually yep. that usually these tasks take place in a corporate marketing team but the fractured nature of the marketing needs it does it's not really suitable without the proper tools so that's what we kind of do we build from the bottom up we give the we give the frontline operations the tools that they need to succeed and then as we go we're building more and more scalability so you can do traditional like marketing deployment from a high level corporate while still having the robust um robust flexibility that 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 it needs to tune on a store level it's it's kind of an abstract problem but um yeah. it's it's very niche to the to the market yeah, and something that obviously the market understands the complexity and the challenge that they're faced with. And so you're coming in with a solution that's very specifically going to handle that need, which I would imagine is quite easy to communicate then to your target audience, right? Yeah, and that's actually that's actually an interesting point to bring up because I'm not I'm not as well versed in talking about the problem because our customers don't need to be told what the problem is. Yeah. I'm a lot more comfortable listening to their version of the problem 
and then adapting our solution around it. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's like, that's the moment that that's, that's where I live. I live, I live at that like solution based and problem solving. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I think every good salesperson needs to be there because that's what it's all about is solving those problems. Now, when it comes to your system, then is it a software as a service play with some hardware? Is that what the business model is? Yeah, I mean, anyone who does hardware knows it comes with challenges. Uh, yeah. we, we're, we would like to not have the hardware if possible, but the, the, so we only have one hardware piece and it serves to put our, it's a digital menu access point, basically. So it's an HDMI Android box that connects yeah. to the internet and pushes our web menus. Everything else is on a, on a, on a, plat, on a software platform that's accessible by the user. Yeah. Okay. Really cool. And so in terms of this business versus running the dispensaries and some of the other things that you've been doing, what do you like about this business and this business model compared to those other ones? I like the flexibility. Like it, it, we build a flexible product and I like the, the flexibility nature of the problem solving. Um, yeah. In cannabis retail, you're driven by a lot of regulation that it makes you uncomfortable. And yeah. um it's just it is what it is but it's not fun uh and with BudSense, we don't have to really abide by any of the regulations um so we can listen to the problems instead of live the problems which is mm -hmm. a lot more comfy place to be and then and then just we're in our wheelhouse of just making the product better um so yeah mostly flexible workplace and um yeah yeah and, and then you also get the benefits of really the SaaS model right where oh, totally. the subscription and you have people coming back month after month after month and uh and you just continue to scale from there yeah it's an interesting way to build trust uh because yeah. gone are the days where hey i have a problem here's a couple hundred thousand dollars to fix it right and now now people get their monthly bill and you better you better deliver a product that that, yeah. that, that works for them uh it's 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 an interesting one too because with that with that software as a service as you build your product more robust you get to influence all these existing customers and improve their experience which is like very different than very different than any other business that i've ever built yeah 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 and extremely rewarding right because you're rolling out and pushing these new feature sets all the time uh, which have these profound impacts potentially on the way that the businesses are operating um, and usually, you know, at an incremental cost potentially, but oftentimes probably at no incremental cost, right? Absolutely. And like yeah. the, the challenges are also rewarding, like the opportunity cost decisions that happen in a, in a startup SaaS model are just, they're fascinating because you don't have enough money to do everything. Yeah. That's kind of how it's like set up. You have to pick all these decision points of like, what are we going to spend money on and our company? we don't we don't even have a sales team like we, yeah. we just focus purely on product because we think it's early and that's just where we put our resources and then you just get to see like where's this going to take us and if you if, if you if you were the type of person that regretted decisions or looked backwards uh it would it would make you insane because <laughs> you're making you're making significant opportunity cost decisions like every single day yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I there isn't enough development time in any no. given year for what you want to do. I'd imagine, right? The product roadmap is extensive. Exactly. 
Yeah. So are you, um, like you said, you're kind of in the early stages of the, the industry then are, do you guys have a real early mover advantage that's going to be playing out in your favor or is the, you know, some of the other people that are in adjacent, um, you know, service uh, or industries, are they starting to take notice and start to move in as well? It's, it's, it's an interesting frontier because it's almost like both. Uh, we are, you, you have to check yourself in cannabis because it's like we're four years into national legalization and it's nothing, but it feels like everything at the same time. So we were, we were late to the initial surface level, low hanging fruit party, um, but we're massively early to global cannabis legalization. So we're kind of in an interesting spot where we can follow the coattails of some of the early, early movers. And as they establish the market, we can step in with a, a, a product that kind of changes the narrative. Um, and then also have the also have the larger early moving uh, mover uh, advantage for for a much, much larger market. So what do you find to be your biggest challenge then outside of just that cost benefit analysis where you're trying to figure out, OK, well, what feature set do we build next outside of that development challenge? What is the biggest challenge that you're facing with this business model versus, you know, your experience in other businesses that you've started? Yeah, like I, it comes back to that product opportunity cost. Like when you pick going all in on product, it's like, well, you have another part of the business to run the operations, the customer success, the sales, everything, right? Marketing. Yeah. So how do you do a lot with a little? And that was kind of my last year is building these systems, building a help helping build an intermediate team to create success and it was very very hands-on and i i was i was very much using my other entrepreneurial experience where you get you're getting into the weeds and you're solving problems um day in day out so only so the problem was like zooming in and zooming out that so since i had to zoom in so far to the problems and really really get in the weeds like i said also maintaining the ability to zoom out to a high level yeah um and make sure that we're headed in the right direction so now that we've kind of built the structure that part of the challenge is a little bit behind us where i can see from a more high level and yeah. now it's now it's now that you're now that you're looking for all that it's 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 navigating it's navigating those winds of change yeah, and that requires a lot of trust in the team that you have as well as you start to step back from being in the weeds when in those early days, you're so instrumental in making the decisions on all the little micro, well, the micro decisions that have to be made to continually grow what you're developing, right? Yeah. And so talk to me a little bit about that. Is that a challenge for you or do you approach that leadership from a different perspective or different philosophy that has allowed you to be able to really take that zoom out and let the team do what the team is best at. Yeah, it's that that extra kind of layer of um, distance is new for me. And that really challenged my leadership style. Um, yeah. I, I like previously, I, I, I liked giving people freedom and and to grow and to make changes. But it was of a group I was managing directly. Yeah. Um, now it's like you create one more distant node, and then that, like you said, it, it strains your trust a little bit. Um, but now that I have a little bit more comfort level with it, 
I'm really enjoying it because it's just yeah. since I find it like one of the reasons why I'm, I, I like building this business is just creating opportunities for people. It's necessary to create more opportunities and create a bigger business. But like there's that fear of that next level of growth. And I find it interesting, like as a person who does like to get their hands dirty, it's a it's a curious thing to think about of what are the limitations of, of even myself as a leader, like how many more of those abstractions from from the details am I capable of at, mm. at, a, at a high level of success? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And and so is the feeling that you'll know when you start to bump up against some some friction there, right? Some resistance there. Yeah, fail forward, right? Um yeah. Uh, I I I think so. Like I'm one of our one of our values is humility. And um I, I often say that uh I, I'm I often say that I'm not be to, I'm not here to be right. I'm here to get it right. Mm. And, um, I have the open mindset that um, long term with BudSense, maybe my maybe my role isn't the CEO. You know, maybe I'm better served somewhere else within the organization. Um, maybe my limitate, maybe I run up against limitations in certain ways. Um, and that that comes back to just how I see organizations, where it's just like CEO is just a title, it's just a role. I yeah. I, I can play multiple roles within the organization. Right now. I'm best served as a CEO. Does that change tomorrow? I don't, I don't really know. Hmm. Yeah, I, I really like that uh, that quote. So you're not here to be right, but to get it right. I, mm. I like that. That's a really great approach. Yeah, what would you say would be you know the the key to or keys to the success that you've found so far within the space that you're in? Gr growth is an interesting growth and success is an interesting discussion because you can frame it at which portion of the company we, we mm. were in, right? Um, yep. so, so our, our most recent version of success is the, the we're kind of hitting a plateau here where my cannabis knowledge was running out. Like I still, I still am involved in the operation, but we need to just start listening and creating opportunities to learn and create feedback loops with other parts of the market of, with people who think about the problems a little bit differently. Um, so we had some opportunities to run some pilots with larger operators. And we like to run pilots so that we can learn before we can scale out. And then because if you scale before you have the ability to make changes, the change management for these organizations that you're working with at a B2B capacity, it just yeah. breaks. So, so we've done some successful pilots with the mid market and that was kind of a change where it's like, okay, now we understand how to build success for this certain part of the customer. Hmm. But if we were to look, so that was a, that's a very specific one. If we were to look a little bit more macro, it's creating these feedback loops because it's such a new industry that we just need, all we need to be, to be successful is to understand where the direction of the product is going and to have enough feedback loops in the industry, vertical around the industry, that help us understand where the product needs to go um, because the, the industry will build the product. All we have to do is kind of drive the ship and, and, and develop to a high level. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. And I mean, this is something that uh, I, I guess transitions into culture as well that you're trying to build there. Can you speak to me a little bit about 
uh, the intentionality that you have around the type of culture that you're trying to create within BudSense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when it comes to culture, uh, I, I look at it from an individual, um, an individual perspective. I, I think people are very, we're complex and we have different needs. And I try not to paint ourselves with a broad brush. Yeah. Um, I can lead by example, but I also know that not like, like there was times in my career where I was working an insane amount that I would never wish upon anybody. Yeah. Um, so there, there isn't this mandatory be like me, talk like me, act like me thing. So it's tough for me to talk about culture without just thinking about individuals and putting them in a situation to succeed. Interesting. Um, so, so, so for me, it kind of, it's, 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 it's very holistic. Um, and then the culture kind of creates itself um, because each new per you, you know, if someone's a fit or they're not um, to a certain degree, but they're always going to add more to that kind of like living, breathing organization. Um, so like our, our values are uh, our humility, collaboration and empowerment, um, both internally and externally. So that guides it, but the culture ch kind of changes as, as we grow um, and as we grow to fit the needs of, of the product. Hmm. Um, yeah, I like it. Now, you also have an interesting approach or what a mutual friend of ours thinks is an interesting approach to the way that you recruit uh, people as well. So can you sp speak to that a little bit? Can you explain to us how you fill the positions that you have available in your company? Yeah, like I, I always come back to like you have you have to play the cards that you're dealt. Um, you you can't wish that you had talent that you didn't don't have or or accessibility to talent is is variable depending on what your situation is. Um, I I get a ton out of moving people to milestones in their career. Like I really really like hiring talented junior people and giving them opportunities to succeed, and it yeah. takes a lot of work. To, 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 and sometimes they don't even realize how much work it takes, but, um, and then it, it gets emotional for me because we are called to, we, our head office is in Regina, Saskatchewan, where I grew up. Um, we've hired a lot of people from the University of Regina. When I went to school at the University of Regina, um, there wasn't really a direct path to tech. There wasn't a ton of innovative tech jobs around. Yeah. Um, so for me to create that, infrastructure to a path of, of, of success in a new industry and learn learn from me learn from our dynamic team um that's that's what gets me out of bed in the morning so i think that kind of like overall arcing goal and wanting to create success for a community i think that's probably what he was talking about as a as a unique side effect because mm. because to me it feels natural it doesn't feel like strategy so it like it comes back to values and it comes back to emotion and me wanting to do it. It's not like me looking at a balance sheet and saying like, Oh, this is the HR strategy because it like, I'm not even really giving you a strategy. It's just yeah. kind of like feel what comes to us, what resumes are coming through the door. How do we manipulate them in a positive way? Is it a cultural fit? Is this person, where is this person ceiling? Do they want to reach it? What are their needs? So it's very, very holistic. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm right there with you. I believe in hiring the person, like you hire for the person or the, or the 
the person you want to be leading, you know, the different areas of your business at some point in the future. So you're hiring the capability, um, not necessarily hiring to the position specifically is the way that I kind of look at it. Lance, why didn't you, you should have given me that answer because it was a lot more succinct. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but, but, you know, like it's, it's just a, yeah, you and I are, I think very much aligned in that regard where it is just, it's, it's really, I, I think it's a, it, it's, it's a real dangerous thing to say, this is what we're hiring for these are the the this is the box in which we want uh, somebody to fit because nobody's likely ever going to check off every single thing and be ecstatic about every little thing and so as long as you have the core uh, competencies that are required then it's about developing them into the role that is going to best utilize the maximum amount of their skills and their interests and their desires because that's where you have the collision or the intersection of happiness you know happy happy employees and incredible performance i think that's the collision and it's it's interesting because this is kind of where i i have a hard time continuing the conversation because i do things my way because that's the best way that i can perform at like yeah. I wouldn't be good at making a cookie cutter organization, but yeah. then I look at a different leader and it's like, is it realistic for them to think about an organization the same as me? Probably not. Interesting. So yeah. Maybe they are better at building a cookie cutter organization and maybe that they can create value in other places. So it, it is really interesting because like what I said was I have a holistic model, so it would be unfair for me to look at another model and say that that is wrong. Yeah. Except for they are wrong. I think you and I are right. <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, Lee, that's, uh, that's really interesting. I love, love the way that you position that because um, you're right, right? It, it's, uh, and that's part of that culture equation where what you're creating or the culture that you have right now um, is going to continue to evolve. It's it's like an organism into itself, and so um, and that's where we see such variance in the uh, the type of company when it transitions from the founder CEO to an outside hired CEO that comes in. Right? Um, you, you you always hear these comments that people make in terms of, you know, the entrepreneur is usually really good at starting the company, getting things going, but not necessarily operating the company and growing it to the next kind of levels that where it could meet its full potential. Um, and I think that is kind of a bit of what they're talking about, right? It's, it's different needs of the organization at different times. And so maybe cookie cutter is something that is required at some point of, of uh, Bud Sense's uh, journey. But I, I don't know, like it's, it's one of those things where if you're not satisfying what it is that the employee, like how they want to grow, like when you're talking about like uh, identifying the milestones of their career and trying to help them get to those milestones, if, if you're not doing that, I think you suffer from a lot more turnover and turnover isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it can be costly to lose people um, and lose that institutional knowledge and and whatnot. And, and so you want to still be injecting 
the new ideas and get freshness happening. But I think you can still cultivate that even with a, a, a very mature team on, you know, a, a team that's been with you for a long time as well. So I don't know. I, I like helping people find where their best fit is. Yeah, it's, those are all interesting thoughts. And so, sometimes I think about like, if there is a stage of that in, in BudSense, I, I welcome it, but I also stress test it. Like you're saying, like, yeah. what would my role be then? And like, how would I set up the CEO for success? And how would we ensure that the culture is still there? And it's interesting. And like one thing that we haven't really talked about is being an entrepreneur, we're comfortable with failure. So yeah. helping people realize that I have limitations and that the organization has limitations and that like if we did get to that stage and things went poorly in some degree it's like well it's no one's fault like this stuff is really really hard and it can change and um you might like working at your job one day and you might not like working at or or a variety of reasons or maybe like there's a whole um it's a roller coaster on uh, from an employer and an employment um standpoint so yeah well and ex especially in growing companies right because that's yeah. changing so much uh and uh, when you're a smaller company just this the addition of one new person in a key role can have a profound impact on the overall culture of the company you know and by small i mean you know it could be probably still even into the 20s and 30s and 40s of of, of headcount right so not like tiny companies but one person can actually influence a lot uh, for good or for bad and so it's it's really interesting because it is it's a, it's that living organism yeah that's fascinating so um a question for you just because uh um we could go talk about this aspect i think for quite a while but i think uh the audience might be really interested in uh, you know if you were to be able to transport yourself back in time or a letter back in time to when you were starting um what would be in that letter what advice would be there what would you say to your younger self as you started this business it's funny it's funny that you asked that um i was going through these notes probably about a month ago i write notes to myself and most of the time i delete them but sometimes they they remain yeah. um and i have two letters that i essentially wrote to myself one was after we sold um our first uh, cannabis business and then one was the decision point um to go full-time into budsense hmm. and the, the the first one was basically a rallying call of this is we're we're good at this like this is fun um we have problems to solve like we're not done in retail cannabis there's another chapter to this and identifying key players who we wanted to continue to grow with and moving towards that so that was kind of the first step and then things got really messy for a little bit because we were we were growing a mom and pop um, kind of one, two store operator operation in Calgary, um, where I was leading with our managing partner. And then my brother and myself, he was the president of farmer Jane cannabis for about a year. Mm -hmm. We helped build their footprint from two stores to 14 stores. Um, and then bud sense was in the background. So it was like, what, where do I spend my time? What am I doing? Why am I working so hard? So mm -hmm. that, that, that letter was to say like something clicked where I was, it started to align where the best thing for everything, including myself, was to focus on BudSense. 
So I think it's like this opportunity cost of like, okay, well, you can do a lot, but now you have to prune. You're growing in all these different ways. Now you have to prune and focus. And that's what that letter was where it, it unlocked for me was if we build the product that I know that we can build, we can make it so good that not only our, our dispensaries need to use it, but all of these other external dispensaries need to use it. And when I had that realization that my talents and our knowledge was better served in a scalable SaaS model than a retail footprint, because um, like we had, we had some success, but we don't have the capital to compete with a lot of these big guys. Yeah. That, that that was a foundational shift and that was kind of the letter that i actually wrote to myself so and and so what was in the letter then was it like I granting you permission to to move on from the telling me it was telling me and it was really excited and it said i had an epiphany moment in our last discovery call where there's a future version of this product that it's going to be tough to sell because it's new it's a new industry um it's kind of a new perspective but when you sell it and when you deploy it and when you finish like what you're starting here, it's going to be such a powerful operational tool that you have no choice but to build BudSense into what it can be. And that was the first and the next day. So that I wrote that, I think, on a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, and then the Monday, that was when I started. That was when I that was about a, a year to 14 months ago. And that's that was my first day at uh, CEO of BudSense instead of just crazy entrepreneur off the side of my desk tech project that like had no direction yeah i love it very inspirational very like you said rallying cry around mm -hmm. you, i it's it's time it's time to focus on this yeah what is easier today than what it was a year ago or what it was at the very start for you um i think understanding growth curves of mm -hmm personal like taking a lot of taking my business success and and coaching to other people and applying it to myself um and creating a work-life balance that is uh that is manageable um yeah. and then and then once that kind of like taking a breath almost you know like knowing that this isn't all going away if you make one mistake um and giving yourself a break so just creating space for myself to just have a more balanced life and then the really cool thing that happens once you hit that realization and ability, you need, you need the grind years, I think. Um, but, um, my capacity gets bigger somehow. It's like, mm -hmm. you're doing more with less, you're making better decisions. Um, you're starting to understand how much strategy can affect, uh, ripples throughout your organization. And you know, that once you know, you have to be in your, once you have to know, once you know, you have to be your best self to create success for your business it's like a light it's like a mindset shift where oh now i have to work to put myself in a healthy position to succeed and then your work-life balance just starts to get better because at certain times in anybody's entrepreneurial life like it's a it's a mess like it's chaos <laughs> yeah 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 no for sure we we all go through that stage or you know, at least once, oftentimes multiple times. Um, yeah. And so for you, some of that was moving to Victoria by the looks of things. So did that happen before or after you came to that, that moment of, okay, I got this work-life balance priority now. I still don't think I've really hit, I've hit a couple milestones. I haven't really hit that plateau, yeah. but 
move to Victoria was certainly like an aha moment where, oh, you could, you, you should start making decisions for yourself right now mm-hmm. because that just, it just makes, it just makes everything better. And yeah, so I moved to, I was kind of dipping my toe in the water for about like six months to a year, still living in Calgary. And then um, I, I moved permanently four months ago and I, I've, I'm, it's, it's been great. I've been really yeah. happy. Beautiful place to be for sure. I, I'm curious who or what inspires you? I think, I think it comes back to that holistic answer. Um, yeah. I, I get inspired from every, everything, everybody. Uh, yeah. I think it's so, I think it's fun. Like we're building this business. Uh, I think it's fun to get inspired. I think it's fun to be told you're wrong. Like I get inspiration by being told I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of kind of how my inspiration works. So sure. we're in, we're in about 250, 300 stores in, in right now. Um, we just kind of, we, we don't have a sales team, but we're growing pretty rapidly. And, um, I, we had a successful launch with this like 50 store operator They're in, like we can solve all these scalable problems for them. We're all excited. We're learning, we're like growing. And then I, I, sometimes I still, I do, I do door to door sales. Just, I pop into a dispensary and like try and sell them our menu solution. And like, sometimes they're like, what are you talking about? Like, who are you? Why do you think I'd ever pay for this stupid product? Like, like just really like, okay, well, we haven't, we, we don't have it all figured out. How do I take that experience and use it to inspire me to tweak the product, tweak the sales? process whatever and just like it's this it's just like i just see us as all of these feedback loops that i was talking about before so to say where the inspiration comes from is really challenging because it's just like sit back and watch like this 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 industry is so giving um and i i don't know if this is a rapid fire question but another really cool example is um i go like there's a lot of um networking conferences for cannabis Mm -hmm. But there's also like legacy conferences that have like the OGs of the industry who are experts at mm. something. And there's all these nodes of expertise around the industry. There's like glass blowers, there's hash makers, um, uh, living soil growers, right? There's a, a KNF farming, like Korean natural farming. There's all these like expertise. And I think what a lot of people miss when they look at the um, like the the legacy culture in cannabis is they think like these guys are jokers, they're, they're anti-establishment, whatever, like they're hippies, they're whatever, you know, like a lot of derogatory feelings towards them. And when you look a little bit closer, they're, they're botanist nerds, you know, they love there's the, the complexity of the plant is what gets them out of bed in the morning. And when you start seeing it through that lens, talk about inspiration. Yeah in every one of these people has a story. And like when I build this menu software, one of the key factors is like, I want to give these people a forum to be able to communicate the value of their product correctly to the end consumer. So we're talking like industry gaps on top of gaps with like inspiration all over the place. And these are big problems, but they're really fun to solve. Yeah. 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 It's a, those small conversations or at the time that it feels like they're, you know, it's just a, 
a simple, innocent conversation that you have with somebody at a networking event or a conference or whatever can just turn into such incredible inspiration or fodder for future inspiration anyway. Uh, I, I totally agree with you. And this is actually one of the reasons why we do this show or that I love talking to other entrepreneurs because there's so many things that people talk to, like we've recorded, you know, over 180 of these episodes now. So I've talked to 180 entrepreneurs about their businesses. And it's, this is what inspires me is just to hear their excitement and how they've tackled challenges. It's, uh, it's really cool to, uh, to be on the sideline, watching them grow um, and hearing about that and, and uh, learning firsthand from them too, at the same time. It's really cool. You've created a cheat code where you, you had <laughs> to mine like all of these like uh, experiences and, and, and put it in a, put it in a format that is, is, is efficient for you to um, learn from, which is really, really cool. So if somebody wanted to uh, connect with you, David, what's the best way for them to do so? And also to learn about BudSense. Yeah, the best way to learn about BudSense is to go to mybudsense.com. We've got a lot of blogs on there, um, contact information, um, and, uh, and even a demo request. Um, best way to find me is probably LinkedIn. Um, David Thomas, there's a lot of us, uh, but I'm the BudSense guy. And, uh, and then my email address is uh, david at mybudsense.com. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for coming by and sharing your experience, your story, your journey with us today. Really appreciate it, David. Thanks, Lance. Thanks for the opportunity. And for those of you who are listening today and really enjoyed this episode, check out our archives over at amplifyyourbusiness.ca. And of course, if you prefer the audio version of this and you're watching it right now, you can head over to any of your favorite podcasting platforms and just search Amplify Your Business. You're going to find us there. So until the next episode, everybody have a prosperous day. 